I met Graham on an airplane. He was 17 and off to England with his rugby team, a posse of blonde boys in blue-striped jerseys sitting near the back of our jet. I was 16, on a school trip to Paris and London, the first time I'd be abroad without my parents. We both came from suburbs east of Vancouver, which was where we embarked. After takeoff, we talked sitting on the floor of the jet, amid our respective classmates, pretending a more sophisticated knowledge of our upcoming itineraries than we actually possessed. By the time we landed in London, where our paths diverged, it was clear to me that travel without parental supervision led directly to the exchange of phone numbers with cute boys. But I was quickly caught up in my two-week trip, then exams on my return home, and didn't expect to hear from the guy on the plane. I was surprised the first time he called and asked me to go to a movie, all the more so when a month later he asked me to his graduation ball. Graham hadn't yet become unique in my mind. He was athletic and had a car and listened to heavy metal. His misbehaviors were run-of-the-mill, like cutting class and smoking cigarettes or pot. We kissed passionately on the couch in my TV room. He teased me about the big words I used, insatiable, and I made fun of the names of his bands, Anthrax. I'd never been to a formal dance and was flattered to be asked. I immediately said yes. My mother altered a blue and black satin prom dress that had belonged to my cousin, and I was granted special dispensation to stay out as late as I liked. When three in the morning rolled around, and we found ourselves at an after-party at someone's house, Graham volunteered to have his dad chauffeur us to our respective homes. Part of me wanted to stay out even though I could barely stay awake. I wanted to use my new freedom to its maximum, to exploit it as outrageously as I could, but I wasn't sure what that would mean. The part of me falling asleep accepted the ride and went home. We didn't become boyfriend and girlfriend. We didn't go all the way. But we stayed in touch over the summer while I worked at a clothing store in Burnaby Shopping Mall. Graham became different in my mind from other boys as I learned about his singular ambition. He wanted to go away and travel. Sometimes we talked on the phone about his desire, which over those first months I knew him progressed from a hazy idea to a concrete plan. Neither of us knew anyone else who aimed to do the same thing. Many of our classmates seemed to have no plans at all, and those who did expected to go straight to university. As I entered my senior year, he scrimped and saved, working two jobs and living with his dad so that he could buy himself a ticket to see the world. I heard less and less from Graham, until finally he called one day in the winter to tell me that he was leaving. I admired the way he'd made his own wish come true. It wasn't until after he left and began sending me notes from afar that I began to really fall for him. First from Hawaii, then from Fiji, then from Australia. He mailed regular light-as-dust aerograms, those pale blue, pre-stamped sheets from the post office that are both stationary and envelope combined. He wrote in a dense ballpoint scrawl about palm trees, which he'd never before seen, about scuba diving, which he'd never before done, and about his evolving plans. Once he mailed a photograph of himself, now with longer hair and darker skin, 
accompanied by a letter saying he was living in a trailer and picking fruit. From my circumscribed life of homework and curfews and college applications, I became so captivated by Graham's voyage, by the fact that you could just do that, go off into the world and let it carry you along, that after a while I couldn't be sure where wanting him stopped and wanting to be him began. I was admitted to some Canadian universities, but chose instead to go to the University of Washington, across the border and a few hours' drive south. Going to Seattle and the United States represented a bigger, broader world. I immediately started taking an 8 a.m. Arabic class, during which I often fell asleep. Part of my desire to take Arabic was that it was the most distant, exotic thing.